Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Oh, Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller. For the next couple of hours, talking sports with you. Appreciate you tuning in uh, here this morning. BMW Des Moines guest list shapes up like this. We will, at the bottom of the hour, uh, talk with our friend Scott Dockerman, who covers the Hawkeyes and the Big Ten. Uh, for The Athletic, he'll be with us at 11.30. We will start hour number two with Nick Olson from Cyclone Alert 24-7 Sports, the latest on Iowa State. And they're, uh, I call it improbable, unlikely, but they beat Baylor. Way to go. Nobody saw it coming. Uh, and they'll get another chance to uh, do it again coming up uh, on Thursday at 11.30 in the morning. Won't that be a well-listened-to program? Uh, which will be followed right by Iowa at one thirty. right? Yes, we'll be a Hawkeye pregame show. You know, I guess we could do it that way, Yeah, right? absolutely. I was, I was just thinking of a way I was going to take the day off. But now you put it that way, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Josh Betts, who spent the weekend in St. Louis. We'll get a few minutes out of Josh Betts. Uh, some of the uh, recap uh, press conferences, etc. with Josh as Drake just pounds Bradley. Just hammered him after uh, losing by double digits the week before. Uh, lost the regular season. That gets you a banner, I guess, but uh, winning the tournament gets you to the NCAA tournament, and that's uh, where Drake will be headed. The news broke about an hour ago uh, that there has been a settlement in the University of Iowa uh, discrimination suit. I guess that's what they, were there. they called it in the beginning. Uh, it's $4.1 million will be paid in combination by the state and the athletic department uh, to the law firm. The law firm's getting the biggest chunk out of it. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the players, I think, are going to end up uh, with $184,000 apiece or something. Uh, then the university has to kick in a chunk of money uh, for all of the uh, defendants if they want to continue with their graduate studies. does not have to be at the university that they do that. But uh, it's a pretty uh, significant chunk. And another one on Gary Barta's ledger, Rob Sand, the state auditor, he's one of the three votes that will approve the financing, approve the settlement. Uh, He has said he will only vote for it uh, if Gary Barta walks the plank. I don't see that happening. I don't see a politician, um, regardless of party affiliation. And if you listen to the program, we don't give a damn um, (laughs) what party they're from. One of us can't vote. One of us doesn't care to talk about it. Uh, So we'll see if if Rob Sand is, in fact, the one that... um, I guess grants a lot of Hawkeye's wishes that ultimately gets Gary Barta uh, to get his address in a different city. We'll see. But just your thoughts overall on the lawsuit. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about it last week after there was a couple of names removed because, quite honestly, it's above our heads. It it really is. And this is where most people in the lawyer world thought this was going to be heading. And here we are after kind of that news came out throughout the last week. Guys got paid. Uh, the University of Iowa does not, or the individuals, Kirk Ferentz, Gary Barta, Brian Ferentz, don't have to admit guilt in the situation. Mm-hmm. That's the way that it's laid out. You know, I wonder about the football side and how this is going to play out. We've heard from people inside the program that the culture inside the building absolutely has changed, that it is a better place for black student athletes to mm-hmm. be. And we've heard that from a numerous people that have said exactly that. But what does this mean for recruiting now? You have an aging head coach. 
You have an offensive system that has been nationally maligned. Yeah. And now you have this hanging over it, too. How much yeah. more difficult is this going to make recruiting black athletes than it already was? Mm-hmm. You know, when people picture from outside the state, Iowa, they don't think of Iowa City the way it actually is. They think of the stupid corn shots. Yeah. <laughs> they think of, that's all it is. Right. And then you hear every guy that comes down to visit says, mm-hmm. oh, it's a lot different than I anticipated. Yeah, it is. And then but, uh, the last weekend in April, every year goes a long way as well because you can get to the NFL. And, yes. And a lot of guys do through the University of Iowa. And if that's the end game, um, you know, obviously it's made it easier because they've had, they've put a lot of guys in the league. At the end of the Hayden Fry era, the downturn was recruiting. Mm-hmm. And the cupboard was incredibly bare mm-hmm. by the time that Kirk Ferentz got there. How much more difficult is recruiting going to be? We know this is the end of the Kirk Ferentz era. It's coming to an end. One year, three years, five years. It's We can see the light at the end. Yeah, of the he's tunnel. walking up at the 18th hole as far as his career. And with Iowa. that, what is it going to be? What is this program going to be when he departs, whenever that ultimately happens? Well, here's another hurdle. Mm-hmm. Already a lot of hurdles there. Yep. And you just put another major one in front of the football program. Because, yes, you don't have to admit guilt. But you don't think everybody you're recruiting against is going to send this article to them. Right. But, you know, it's been out there for a couple of years. And, and I just wonder if um, this is, this, this is the, uh, the decision, obviously. Um, but but this, has been lingered, this has been lingering for a few years. And, and the recruiting has been solid, I think. It has been, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if, if, if it's going to affect it or not. It's going to affect the, you know, they, they made a boatload of money. Um, I don't understand who pays the bills. Again, maybe we should pay more attention to it. We like to talk about sports. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should. This, there's there's going to be two other shows that are a whole lot brighter than this one. Yes. Uh, they're coming up here from 1 to 3 and then from 3 until 6 um, that will obviously uh, shed more light on this story and, and certainly way more depth uh, than uh, than these two knuckleheads that are talking to you right now <laughs> will. We like to opine on what happens on the floor, so let's do that, shall we? Let's do that. Uh, from over the weekend, and we saw three games, uh, an improbable Way to go, Iowa State, rallying together as they did and beating Baylor in the fashion that they did. It was, um, it was really good to see after the week that this, uh, that the program had had, um, and the uncertainty of how this team is going to come together playing a pretty good team, mm-hmm. uh, in Baylor, um, on the road. And they came on, they kicked them in the teeth and they just kept, they just kept it up for the entire 40 minutes. They were engaged at both ends of the floor. Uh, and who knows where this leads them. It's, you, know where, you know where it keeps them from? It keeps them from that 7-8. I think they're firmly back 5-6 at worst as we sit here today. Don't you see it that way? Even if they get bounced on Thursday night against Baylor, I don't see them going to the 7. I think that they're a 6 at worst after this. And this is something that we've kind of continued to harp on even during the downturn as you look at the totality of the resume. They were in really good shape. It, I didn't think they could end 17-14 and 14 and still be in a good shape for a 6 seed or even a 7 seed. I think that, that number, number alone was going to hurt them. Well, they got win number 18. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's win number 19 and, and how quickly this thing can change yeah. because you look them in comparison to other teams in that area. Their resume's better than a lot of those teams. Mm-hmm. Kind of in that, that group of teams, say, from, I don't know, 22 to 35. The resume is by far the best out of that group of teams because of what they did. And you add another one now, the season sweep against Baylor. You put that together. I, I did have this question, though. I, I had this in my notes, and I want to run this past you. So they get it done. Now, we know Caleb Brill 
There's been something off for a long time. Yep, yeah. This is not something that just crapped up last no, week. No, it was a weight off the team's shoulders, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What would have happened if this would have been done two weeks ago, three weeks ago? I know it's yeah. a great what if, and we don't yeah. know. But just watching that team from the get-go, mm-hmm. there was a cloud that yep. was lifted. And you could see that from the moment they jumped. Mm-hmm. That there was something different about the team. Well, I go back and, and I and I listen to the players, the, the comments that they made, and who was made available. Shun was made available. Holmes were made, was made available. Two of the newcomers to the program answered questions on the day of the of TJ's press conference, and I didn't get a lot of. Maybe this is unfair. What I did take away from it was. We're going to play with who's left on the roster. Mm-hmm. He's no longer here. We're going to move forward. There wasn't a lot of um, woe is me, woe is us. How are we going to come together? How are we going to move forward without Caleb Grill uh, on our team? It seemed like uh, very quickly they moved on from that. And we saw that um, at least we did it for one day mm-hmm. for 40 minutes on Saturday because I mean, they beat them in both halves. This wasn't yeah. they got out to a big lead and then clung, and then clung to it. This was um, this, this was a complete performance and getting efforts by guys. I mean, Robert Jones started. He started the game. I don't think he's. I don't mean how many starts he's had this year. Mm-hmm. Ward played appreciable minutes. I thought Watson. That was his best game as a Cyclone. Eli King. We finally got to see him. We got to see him. We got to see the CEO Holly, albeit briefly, but he was even in the game. It was great to see. And you know what else was good to see was the um, the smiles. Mm-hmm. And as I think back, I mean, you're not going to see smiles when you're getting beat. Absolutely. Right? Yes. right. But you could see um, it, they were having fun again mm-hmm. as they left the floor. Waco. I get winning cures all. I get it. But, it. but it was good to see. And no, who knows? Who knows? Maybe this will be, or that will be a point of demarcation that you can look to as to, let's say they get back to the Sweet 16. Well, it all turned around uh, when Caleb Grill was released and everybody then was allowed to move forward. Who knows? I think that's something that obviously is going to be looked at. And this looks, that looked completely different than anything we've seen mm-hmm. for a long time, for weeks. Yep. Outside of the Kansas game, yep. outside of that one, mm-hmm. this team has not looked anything close to that for a month. No, it's been a long time. This, this this team that showed up on on Saturday looked like a top 15 team, a top 10 team where they've resided at various points of the season. So, coming out the second half, and Baylor goes on the 10 nothing run. Mm-hmm. And they answered. Before they answered. What did you think was going to happen? Well, I th- <laughs> I, thought, I, yeah. I thought they were going to absolutely I did. Co- sure. collapse. Sure. I mean, here we go. Well, you knew it was going to come, right? You, or at least sure. you thought it was going to come. Because they were, what, up 11, I think, going into the break? Or coming, yeah, going into halftime, they were up, I want to say... 33-22. So 11, yeah. right. Um, you knew was, there was going to be a little bit of a run, and then, yeah, okay, fair. You thought, oh boy. <laughs> and, and, I mean... Because I, we've I, seen that movie before, oh, too, right? Collapses. I mean, what was more likely at that time? Collapse. I thought it was... A collapse. Yes, yeah. that they were going to get beat by double digits mm. as opposed to coming back and winning by Certainly double digits. Certainly get beat, I agree. Yeah, I... I I just and then they responded. Yeah. It was eleven nothing run, yeah. and the engagement from the sideline and mm-hmm. how they were into it. And it wasn't that fake engagement. You see that a lot in college basketball. A team's going through a downturn. You'll see it early in a game where everyone's standing up right away, and then the same old thing happens, and then they all kind of slump back down. Yeah. No, they were there uh-huh. the whole time. Even when Baylor's making a run, this team was into it. Everybody. One through, well, basically 11 now. One through 11, everybody yeah. was in the game. They were all fired up. 
They were ready to go. It was an absolute masterclass in T.J. Otzelberger bringing this program together. Look, we've heard the arguments about him as an X's and O's coach. We've heard the arguments mm-hmm. about him in a game situations mm-hmm. that they can't get a good shot. We've heard all those things. But when you're talking about building a culture, there is few coaches that we have seen two years in. Yeah, It's just two years. Yeah, But completely remaking a roster, coming off a 2-20 and mm-hmm. year, and making them an NCAA and tournament getting team. them to play the way he wants them to play. You lose your starting point guard coming into the season right. after retooling the roster yeah. once again. After lose, yeah, right, 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 yeah. And then you have to... Injury takes out Williams. Kick off one of your yeah. starters. Yep. And to come back, culture, that is something you cannot question T.J. Otzelberger about. No. Question him about X's and O's, you can do that, that's all well and good. But when it comes to culture, something has to be said. To do this... For all intents and purposes, the third time. It's a masterclass in coaching and and, and putting together a program. T.J. Otzelberger, tip of the ball cap, because I thought you were dead team walking. <laughs> they certainly looked like that. I thought they were headed to 8-9. They were in the tournament. I never crossed my mind that this wasn't going to be right. a tournament team. But, wow, way to go. I mean, you sit here today and you, you see things entirely different. And uh, let's get to Thursday and we'll see how they do. Uh, George, who's going to the NBA, he's a lottery pick. He did nothing in that basketball game. Flagger was the guy. Flagger yeah. was, the, was the best player on the floor for Baylor. Just one more quick note on, on the Big 12 before we move on. Mark Adams, is I don't see him coaching again at no. Texas Tech. Is it too easy to think he just comes back? You know who I'm referring to, Chris Beard. I mean, do they take him back? I Is there too much? I think there's too much scar tissue. I mean, Texas Tech fans were very upset mm-hmm. for him. But, they, but turn the clock back two years prior to being really oh, upset. Yeah. I mean, got you. You were an inch away from coming down the nets for crying out loud. As the national champions, not the Big Twelve champs. Um, I mean, it's probably the easiest place for I him think to end it up. Is, right? right, Mark Adams, a guy that because he'd been fighting for a long time to get back mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. We were rooting for. I was. I openly said it. And then you hear time. this. Oh my and god. And then you see some of the other stuff that now yes. is starting to come out in public. I, I don't think I don't think he survives it. Let's move on. Let's let's do let's do the good before we do the bad. All right. Uh, and that would be the Drake Bulldogs yesterday, who wow. just put it to them, and back they go to the tournament for the first time since the '07 uh, '08 team. Um, there wasn't a tense moment all weekend. There wasn't really, was there? No. You know what? Maybe there was in the Southern game. They got down a little bit early. Early in the first half, right? They went into the yeah. Early in the first half, that would have been about it. But the championship game, it was just it was just a clubbing. It was. They just throttled them. Calhoun was great off the bench. He was. Uh, Devries was looked like the Larry Bird player of the year. Brody, I can't get over this guy. The change in his game, good for him. Um, Penn was. He couldn't shoot to save his life, but he was, you know, quarterbacking out there. Six as assists. Well, he does. Six yep. assists. And Sturts didn't miss a shot. Didn't miss a shot. Didn't take a lot, but the ones that he did, all five of them, uh, found the bottom of the net. And they guard you. And Bradley, who just a week before, seven days before, granted, at their place, uh, took them to the woodshed. Uh, Drake got the one that mattered. They got the one that mattered. They're going to the big dance. How about that? Uh, there was uh, something that I saw after the game and talking to the bigs before the game and kind of how I think they said they got punked mm-hmm. at, at Bradley. And one of the assistants went over and, and talked to them before the game and said, don't let this happen again. This is yeah. what you guys have been working for. This mm-hmm. is why you've, you know, Darnell Brody, this is why 
you're 24 years old and you're still playing college and basketball. And he's coming back for another year right for, for moments like yeah. this. Yeah. Go out there and do it. Or he and, can. And those big guys played well. How about Ferguson off the bench oh, giving him great minutes? He was great. It, it was up and down the roster. They got a little bit of everything uh-huh. there. Enright, who Friday, I mean, I thought, oof. Did you see him when he tried to get up and he started to wobble a little bit and his teammates had to yeah. hold him up? I thought, oh, good God. I mean, he's out for the weekend. Then he comes back and plays Saturday. He played a lot of minutes on Sunday. What a great effort out of that basketball team. I couldn't be happier uh, that Drake is going back to the tournament as what? At 12? Maybe an 11? Maybe? Maybe. I mean, I mean, no worse than 12. Right. If there's some upsets in some of the smaller conferences mm-hmm. and you look at you know other mid-major teams that are a tick ahead of them, yeah, absolutely. They can get as high as 11. Probably a 12, though. They're going to be a buzz team, too. Oh, for sure. What they, they will did here, be the 12. Yes, and, and the experience. Yep. People are going to be looking at yep. that. This is going to be one of the buzz teams, wherever they are bracketed, that people are going to be talking about a ton. And, and, and I hate that. I agree with you, but I hate that because yeah. you know what's going to happen. Well, right. It's going to be the crappy 12 seed like right. Richmond that pulls yes. the upset like we saw a year ago. Calhoun, hey, I, I feel vindicated because I said there's going to be, yeah, they're going to need him. Yeah, they did. And, and I still think they're going to, if they're going to get to a sweet 16, not win a game, win two. Mm-hmm. I think Calhoun's going to have to be big in one yeah. of those two games if they're going to do it. He's just too important. He he has the athleticism, the shooting ability. He's a different kind of guy that they can throw out there and do some big time things. But this team, without seeing the bracket, absolutely. They can make a run. And, uh, and how deep of a run? I just, you know, you don't know. Yes. Right? I mean, Depends on what happens in other brackets mm-hmm. and how things open up, but this team has everything that you need mm-hmm. to make a run come March. They do have that one cloud that's just kind of getting in the way of this. Well, they're coming after DeVries. Well, I mean, that I happens all it. the time. I get it. I get it. I understand. I mean, the, the Kino was good as gone. We knew before they went to Tampa, he was leaving. Yeah. I get it. Steve Alford was leaving for Iowa at Southwest Missouri yep. State. Still yep. took him to a Sweet nope, 16. I get it. Lisa Bluter was out the door. Mm-hmm. She, she goes to Iowa. That's just the the, uh, the unfortunate part about it. The unfortunate part about it is is that's going to be a talker. And, um, well, I mean, who knows how it's going to work out. I have a feeling how it's going to work out. All right, real quick, let's get to Iowa. We've got Scott Doctor coming up here uh, in a few minutes. Boy, what is it about this Nebraska thing, right? I mean, Nebraska comes in here on Black Friday Senior Day and beats mm-hmm. them. Nebraska, we've said it for weeks. They're they're a much better team than they looked in January when it seemed like Hoiberg had, I don't know, maybe not two feet out the door, mm-hmm. but certainly one and a half feet out the door. They're a different they're a different basketball team. I didn't think they'd beat Iowa this on, on Sunday, Trent. I just didn't. There, there was no, there was nothing last week to me that I didn't leave work on Friday. Saying, eh, you know what? Nebraska's going to beat them. There's, I thought for sure I was going to get the two seed. I thought it was a fait accompli. Look, Nebraska embarrassed you. You're coming off a huge win over Indiana. You're not, you mean to tell me that five days after that, Nebraska is going to march into your place on Senior Day in a banged out Carver Hawkeye Arena? They're going to beat you. That's what happened. Well, we we were on different sides of, of that argument because it was lingering for me all week. But I long. think that's your Hawkeye fan that just gets kind of clouds you a little. No, bit. it's this team. It's just this team. This mm-hmm. team, they're okay. Yeah, they can beat anybody in the country, and they can lose mm-hmm. to literally anybody in the country. We saw that Eastern Illinois is one of the mm-hmm. worst teams in the country, mm-hmm. and they lost to them at home. You can yeah. run out of the gym. Eastern <laughs> Illinois, and that's this team. Yeah, yeah. Does, does, does Perkins need to have a good Tony Perkins game? I mean, as as he, I hate to say it, as he goes, to, so goes this team. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's as simple as that. 
Chris, how many good, solid efforts have we seen from Chris Murray, and that was not the case yeah. yesterday? Well, well, well not, had, certainly not from three. He had 22. Oh, mm-hmm. we've had a ton of those. Mm-hmm. Chris Murray's kind of, he doesn't always get his. He's, he also has bad performances yep. there. But yep. when he's really good, Iowa has a chance to be really good. Mm-hmm. But when he's just okay, I was fine. Yeah, it's Tony Perkins having an effort. It's Philip Robracha being able to understand a double team and get the ball out of there and swing it. Yeah. It's Connor McCaffrey being able to hit a shot. Mm-hmm. The post-up game was not working and just waiting and waiting, and the offense absolutely stuck. But it wasn't an offensive struggle. It is the same old, yep. same old. Yep. It is a defense. Now, yep. with Iowa basketball, there's two ways to look at that. You look at it this way. They're what they are. Nothing's going to change. They're going to be in the top half of the Big Ten seemingly mm-hmm. every single year. Mm-hmm. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team, and that's good. Yep. That's really good to have. And we saw when he tried to search for something more than that, what's behind bar- door number two is not always good. <laughs> right. It could be an awful person yeah. and an okay coach in Steve Alford or maybe a decent person and a terrible coach in Todd Licklider. So it can go the other way. But I know there's a lot of Hawkeye fans out there that are hoping for something different. They want something new. I just warn you, something new does not mean something better. This is pretty good. I mean, we have entertaining basketball for five mm-hmm. months a year. Yep. And they're going to be in the mix and they're yep. going to have a chance and they're yep. going to be a tournament team more times than not. It's a pretty good place to be. But it's never going to be better than this, unless Freya McCaffrey is actually going to go out there. Look at the defensive rotations that Nebraska had. How many times they went out there and were able to cover up shooters. Yeah, and those three-pointers. They, they guarded yesterday. They, they absolutely really, they did. They committed to the defensive end of the floor. And then you look at Iowa, a team with more broad talent. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Than this Nebraska uh-huh. team. And they are completely yeah. lost. And they go, hey, maybe we should double-team the post. And they go there, and the rotations are slow getting over there. And it leads to a wide-open three-pointer after wide-open three-pointer. Mm. That is coaching. That is defensive coaching, and maybe a little effort thing too, but that's ultimately what it is. So if Rand's not going to change, that's okay. He has built up enough in his resume that he doesn't have to change what he does. But this is also the reality. This is what it's going to be. You're going to be pretty good, solid, entertaining to watch. You're going to pull some upsets. You're going to win some games when the shots are falling, and you can lose to almost anybody in college basketball. Mm, As they did twice to Nebraska this year. And twice to Wisconsin. And Four of their losses are to two crappy teams right. that are playing on the opening night of the Big Ten. Tournament. And the Big Ten is not good. It's it's not. It's there's a lot of parody. It's not. It's not a good conference. Yeah, I, I don't think Purdue's going anywhere. Now, college basketball as a whole is not very good this year either. No, true. Who's who's going to go the furthest? I mean, and what does that mean? Is there a Final Four team in the? Is there? No, there's not an Elite Eight team. I, yeah, but there the might way, be the one Sweet 16 team. And the way college basketball is this year, I think true. we'll see. Uh, Jeff wants to talk about the Iowa women. We'll do so with him. So let's bring yes. him in here uh, as they cut down the net. Speaking of clubbings, I mean, that game wasn't even close yesterday against the Buckeyes. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Good. First, I just want to start with this. You know, I'm at, a, I'm at my local gym, and uh, I have a guy come up to me. He knows I, I follow growth basketball and coach growth basketball. And he wants to talk about the Iowa women hmm. at a at a gym that is mostly with men, and we're talking about Iowa women. I just think it's it's it's. All, I've had probably four or five people just today and yesterday text me and want to talk about the Iowa women. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so remarkable and refreshing because you know Trent's talking about Iowa men and you know the offense and getting key wins. I mean, there's no farther to look at Iowa women. And first, let's let's start Saturday. You know, beating beating a really good Maryland team, everybody was in double digits. 
starters. It's not just a Caitlin Clark show. No, but it was yesterday. I mean, a couple of her <laughs> passes. Let's, let's, that hook let's, shot pass that she made down. Oh, my phenomenal. God. Just incredible. Well, let's go. So let's get into yesterday. But, it, again, yeah, she had her points, and she had 15 assists, and she had a triple-double. Yep. But to start the game, she hits Gabby Marshall. On Saturday, Gabby had 6-3. Mm-hmm. Let's go back into yesterday's game. Sonata's getting off. Kate Martin's getting layups because of Caitlin. They bring in the bench. The bench is now scoring, and they're defending. So if, if uh, you know, Caitlin does what Caitlin does, and, you know, we're all reliable with that. But if the others step up and do come off the bench and get six, eight points, defend, uh, defend it. And if you listen to the post game, the best part about that was is that Ohio State couldn't get into their, you know, their press break. So they're getting stops. They're getting in transition. They can't make if, – if they're not getting any made baskets, they can't get into the press. That was the best thing. And the best quote about last yesterday was they talked to Caitlin. Caitlin's like, you know, what do you think about uh, being the Big Ten tournament? She said, that's all I know. Three years, hmm. one, she lost, <laughs> two, win, win. Yeah. And, here, and here's the last thing. And we all know it's about money. But if I'm a part of any part of setting up this bracket, there is no reason – I would have, and I'm not afraid of South Carolina or anybody, mm-hmm. but if it's about money, I want to get Iowa to go the farthest in the tournament. So if that means they're setting up and they're playing against Stanford or Virginia Tech or whoever, yep. there's just no need to put them with a Connecticut as a 2-3 seed or put them as a 1 seed with South Carolina. That makes no sense. You're gonna, And my girlfriend asked me this yesterday. She Wait, said, you've got a girlfriend? Watched, <laughs> I do, what what yeah. movie is that from? So didn't, that's that's <laughs> in some movie. Anyways, go ahead. She said that, will anybody watch, you know, uh, a South Carolina, Virginia Tech? And maybe, but the eyeballs, and, and like you say, Ken, the needle mover yep. is Caitlin Clark. There's no doubt. We live here. So they better move, they better have them in a different bracket. And uh, wow, this weekend, you guys talk about money, and I know football moves the needle, and da 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 da. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm a huge basketball fan, and I know you guys are too, it was phenomenal basketball games. Arizona, UCLA, Texas, Kansas, the Iowa, Iowa State, the Iowa women. If you're a basketball fan, it doesn't get any better, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate the call. All right, I'm glad he brought up Arizona, UCLA. So, so a Franz guy, Kelly, what does he say his name? Prefer? Mm-hmm. Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Kelly Pfeiffer. He worked mm-hmm. UCLA, Arizona on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. All right, Saturday night. Game ended about what time? It was late. Late, 11? Yeah. So... I actually went to the uh, United Airlines site. Okay. Because he worked the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. One o'clock tip off. One one thirty. What time is it? Whatever. One, one o'clock tip off yesterday. I was, so somehow this guy got from Los Angeles mm-hmm. to Iowa City in, I don't know, 11 hours? Yeah. How do you do that? He had to fly all night to Chicago. Yep. He took the red eye, and I checked. There was one that lives a bunch of them. They leave at 12.20, 12.30. So let's say he catches the 12.30. Mm-hmm. They all landed in the, around the same vicinity just after 6 o'clock in the morning and somehow got to Iowa City. So I don't know if he rented a car. Uh, I would guess probably Chicago to Cedar Rapids took that flight. He could have taken that probably flight. Probably the first one out that left at Who knows? 7. Maybe. Got there at 8. Yep. So the sleep that he was able to get... Was in I hope I mean I hope he got an I hope he got a window yeah because right? he's not flying private right these guys are flying commercial but come on you know that that's that's ridiculous mm-hmm. he's in he's at LAX at midnight on Saturday and at Carver Hawkeye Arena at eleven o'clock yesterday morning yep eleven thirty 
10 yeah, I mean, you, you got to check in two hours before the game, I think, is I official, think. right? So, yeah. So, so, minimum, he's got to be there by 11. How? How did they? How did they allow this? And boy, he was ready to line oh up that charge my. call, wasn't he? He was. He he had one, and it was look. It was a wrong call. It was, it was a terrible call. Come on, a terrible call. So Sam Hoiberg's moving into yeah. him, but you you're gonna miss a call, especially when you have three hours of sleep. Yeah, but you're also going to make that call, especially with what happened the week before when you were embarrassed yes. and you became a what do you call him a meme? Yes, uh, when you became a meme that's going to live forever. Um, he was waiting for that one, and he got his money's worth. Eleven. The refs were fine. They were not. No, the no, no, no. I'm not yeah. killing the refs. I, and I'm, I'm right there killing, with you. Yeah. Not killing nope. the refs. This was not a referee thing. Why I no. lost the basketball game? Uh, commit to the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. Uh, that was the that was the big story. But come on, Nebraska beating you twice. And Wisconsin. And I think Wisconsin. the two Wisconsin losses are worse than the two Nebraska losses. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Nebraska was picked last. Well, Northwestern was picked 13th, 13th. And they finished second. But did you see last night the, the, the stakes on that game? They beat Rutgers. They're yeah. the two seed. If Rutgers would have won, they would have dropped all the way to nine. That's lot parody. Of, a lot of below average basketball. Well, okay. You can, what do you call it that? I'll call it parody. I'll be nice. Miller and Kahn at 11 30. Uh, Scott Dockerman joins us next. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's off. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Talk to our friend Scott Dockerman. He spent the week, last week, in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. That's what I'd hoped to spend most of the morning <laughs> discussing with you, Doc. And we're going to get to it very quickly here. Uh, good morning, first of all. Um, just real quick, just your thoughts on the uh, settlement uh, that was announced this morning seemed to be headed in that direction. Smarter Minds told us that uh, last week that uh, when some of the uh, principals were removed from the lawsuit, they said it be it seemed to be headed uh, towards uh, a settlement, and it came down this morning. Your your thoughts, Doc? And apparently, Rob Sand is not going to vote for it. Um, whether that matters or not, I have no idea. Um, without the dismissal of Gary Barta, just your whole thoughts on what happened this morning, Doc, if you would. Yeah, well, I, I was aware of this yesterday. I got all the information yesterday and had it prepared for this morning to to run. Um, so this was not a surprise, as you said. Once uh, you know the four individuals remaining on the lawsuit last week were dismissed um, from the case, um, you know, it seemed like this was going to be the logical solution that the university and the state board of regents just wanted to get it off the books. Just let's just get rid of this thing. Well. That it's not really the way that the uh, universe or the the coaches wanted. They wanted to go to court and win, mm. and uh, and it, apparently, I think uh, you know, state auditor Rob Sand has had enough. And we've seen a lot of different situations before with Gary Barda. You know, whether it's dealing with things like uh, you know the what you go all the way back to Rabdo, let alone yeah. uh, you know which they did lose, and then you know gender. Uh, and sexual discrimination case against Shane Meyer and, and Tracy Griesbaum and 
and and there have been others on his watch. So uh, at this point, I'm I'm really anxious to see what the the state appeal board uh, decides this afternoon because if they scuttle the the settlement, then um, you know it could be a really treacherous couple of days, weeks ahead. We know there's always fuzzy math that the athletic department does to make it as close as possible how much they're bringing in. It's going right back out. It wouldn't be difficult for them to come up with the $4.1 million on their own, correct? Well, yeah, it would. I mean, they did pay $50 million because of the COVID situation yeah. that they owe the, the University of Iowa. And, and let's not forget that even in that situation, Gary Barta, um, 10 days after the Big Ten voted to shut down football, um, eliminated four sports, mm-hmm. had to go to court, lost, paid legal fees, yeah. reinstate one of the sports, and had a second one. So, um, nice. you know, there's there's uh, the Washington Generals of the legal system, and Gary Barta certainly has been it. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, the Peter Gray, I was appointed on, I think it was Leistikow's piece, but reminded mm-hmm. us of the Peter Gray situation where they didn't do a lot of uh, homework on him and his hiring, and that cost him a bunch of money. So do you think this is it, Doc? Or is maybe this is unfair to ask you. Uh, do you think that this might be the straw that finally breaks the, uh, the back and, and, and Gary Barta is ousted? It would not surprise me um, at this point. I don't know. Um, you know that that's tough to say. I, I don't know Barbara Wilson well enough to know if she would want to pull that trigger. She might have to. I, I think in this case, where you're ta- dealing with state officials and state monies and not university monies, which I know it's kind of all in this, one and the same, but it, it isn't when you're talking athletic department money. Um, that that might be something worth, uh, you know, that might be closer than it might have been the other way. I mean, Gary Bart has been in place since 2006, and you're oh, and you're in a place that long, you're going to have situations arise from time to time, and some of it is of his own fault, and some of it not, and. In this situation, um, I don't know, you know, some of it was his own fault when he knew before all of the, the, the demands and, the, and then the lawsuits and, and everything came about in 2020, uh, you know, he was aware of some of the situations involving players bringing up, um, uh, you know, different um, pl- claims, I guess, against uh, the strength department really didn't do much. So I think this is a this is something where I would not be surprised if they turn over a new leaf. He's, his contract's up, I think, in 2024 on June 30th. Mm. So um, there's not a ton that, that they would pay out, but, you know, still, um, you know, he has been a leader now for 17-plus years. So this is, you think, a little bit more than political grandstanding. You think there's a little more depth and breadth here? Rob Sand does this a lot, um, and he seems to be a pretty good watchdog of the public's money. Yeah. Um and, and yes, I, you know, there's always political grandstanding, but I think, um, is this fair? I do believe that's fair. When you're starting to talk about the number of settlements that yeah. we've talked yes, about, I and mean, yes. I've talked on them in countless podcasts over mm-hmm. the years, that this is something that probably needs to be brought up. And the fact that uh, he had his previous president, uh, Bruce Harold and Sally Mason, you know, totally had his back. Now it's a matter of, um, you know, w- w- who is going to watch out for the state money. With Gary Barta and uh, you know Rob Sand is, is proven to be at least that kind of advocate for the state. Uh, done on this, Trent. You want to move on? Let's uh, talk about the week uh, at the combine, Doc. And I guess we can. I'll just throw out a general question: uh, one or two of your takeaways from the week in uh, watching the combine and listening to athletes and uh, and writing about it at the Athletic. What were a couple of your takeaways? Well, I think if you're looking specifically at Iowa, there were uh, they all kind of hit the ball to the ballpark uh uh you know riley moss was in the top 
three to four um, ever of any athlete at Iowa in multiple categories, uh, from the 40 to the, uh, you know, he's the fastest cornerback ever at Iowa at the four, in the 40-yard dash, had the best broad jump of any defensive back and fourth overall. Um, you know, just really did a nice job there. Jack Campbell led his position group in multiples um, overall, I mean, in, in Iowa history. And, and Sam Laporta was among tight ends, was in the top two to three in just about every category, Iowa historically. So I think they all did a really good job. They represented themselves well. I think uh, they made money, Jack Campbell in particular. I think, you know, there were a lot of questions about, about him and his, uh, you know, his, his lateral movements and just all the things that draft Knicks like to talk about. And I thought he did a really hmm. good job and ran a four six five. But, you know, that's for a 250-pound linebacker, that's not horrible at all. I think uh, overall they all helped themselves out, and it would not surprise me to see you know, by the third end of the third round, four players uh, drafted, and then and then Kayvon Merriweather sometime in rounds five or six, maybe. With a guy like Jack Campbell, we know what a football player he is. We saw it firsthand. We now know what kind of athlete he is as we see the testing numbers and those leadership qualities. Kirk Ferentz loves to talk about leadership, and I would guess if you got him in a quiet moment, Jack Campbell would be one of the top, if not the top, leaders that he has ever had come through there and what he has meant. He's still a middle linebacker, though. What's the upside for him? As a middle linebacker, it is not a big position anymore in the NFL that is drafted highly. You know, is it top 50? Is that kind of the, the highest upside, or could it be higher than that? Oh, I think he could go somewhere in the second round. Yeah. I know there are some teams that are intrigued by him but in the first round, but, you know, that's, that. as you said, it's, it's not necessarily, unless you're running 4-3, it's probably unlikely you get somebody that high. However, I do think somewhere in the 40s is probably accurate. I think there are a number of teams that could use a player like him, uh, Detroit, Washington, Pittsburgh, the Jets, uh, several of them in that category where I think uh, Jack Campbell fits into their scheme and, and fits into their defense. And then, you know, when you start comparing intangibles, there's nobody better than him. Um, you know, nobody I've ever been around. I mean, the leadership, the, the toughness, the um, ability to just, walk out and do what is asked of him to do and and do it in, in the right fashion he's he's the best and and uh not only that then you throw on that he's he's a hard hitter he can run he can catch he can jump he you know has kind of a linebacker uh, you know linebacker thought process but a tight end body I, you know I, I think he's going to be mid second round at the worst uh, Riley Moss was at the, at the podium when he was asked about Caitlin Clark. Uh, <laughs> didn't see that one coming, Doc. I mean, this is what she's meant to the sport of women's uh, college women's basketball. It's just remarkable. And this wasn't a reporter from the Midwest. Uh, I read your tweet when it happened. This was somebody from the West Coast that asked Riley Moss about Caitlin Clark. That's incredible. She got. Uh, I was witnessed or been a part of two different conversations about Caitlin Clark with people from all around the country just on the floor there and then on the side multiple times. Uh, she is a talk about athlete and it's beyond just, uh, you know, us in Iowa. I mean, she has the, <laughs> the rare ability to just transcend sport. And yes, yeah. Riley Moss was asked about her. They didn't even go to the same, it was the same college. It didn't go to the same high school, but uh, for somebody in San Francisco to just say, Hey, we know, uh, <laughs> You know, you're at Iowa, but you know what? What's it like to be at the same place as Caitlin Clark? I mean, that's that just shows you how, um, again, how much she transcends the sport and 
and what she means throughout the country. A couple, uh, I'm not sure you saw Xavier Hutchinson, Will McDonald, uh, was, Kuiper's got him as a top 10 pick. Did you see it? I, I know McDonald, uh, had, the night before uh, he did his workouts, he had a temperature apparently of 104, but still uh, showed pretty well. Uh, anything from Iowa State uh, that you brought home from Indianapolis, Iowa State players? <sighs> I talked a little bit to Anthony Johnson. He was really the one that I was talking most to. Didn't really, I didn't get a chance to get to Xavier or to Will. There were, I think Will might have been about the same time as Lucas Van Ness, but, uh, with, with Anthony Johnson, what I really liked was the description of what he said, you know, in John Heacock's defense of going from corner to safety, how that helped him prepare and, and mentally he feels as sharp as anybody on, in the draft in that position. And he's probably, Right. Uh, you know, it, it takes a lot to actually go from corner to safety and improve your draft stock. And he did that. So I, I was really fascinated by what he had to say there on, on that topic. And uh, wrapping up with a little men's basketball after Caitlin Clark and the women's team wins another Big Ten tournament title. The men crapped the bed against Nebraska. Boy, we saw that back in November on the football field. Same thing here. As good as they looked against Indiana, it comes crashing down. This team can lose to anybody, basically beat anybody, it feels like, in college basketball this year. Do you have any, I mean, it just roll out the ball and see what happens with this team? Because it just feels like you never know. <laughs> I think that's where we are with this team. I think that's where we are with college basketball in general. Yeah, I mean, I think me the too. team 30, mile, 30 miles north of you is kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think it's going to make for a very exciting tournament because you, you could look at, at Houston, you could look at Purdue or anybody, let alone Iowa, and think, well, yeah, they're beatable on just about any day. I mean, you know, Kansas went to Ames and got throttled. Uh, you know, I think they're playing much better than just about anybody right now. But but when, with Iowa, it, it is fascinating because you see, you know, they lost to Northwestern and Wisconsin, um, looked so bad in those games, and they came back, had a, you know, a, a furious rally against Michigan State. Then blow out Indiana. It was like tied for the biggest win ever at Indiana, and they've been playing for 120 years. And and then they come back and just for the last six and a half minutes just completely lay an egg or use whatever analogy you want. And, and you know, and I think Nebraska played hard, kind of like they did in football. But you know, they weren't the better team in either sport. And and this one in particular, it was like. Uh, I, I don't know what Iowa was trying to do the last six minutes of the game, but it wasn't working. I mean, they were one of the last ten shooting the ball, and it's just a really uh, when you have a lot to play for. I mean, the number two seed overall, Iowa this year, you know, and to blow it, uh, I think that really it draws up a lot of questions about this team. And you know, now it, it's not the most talented team Fran McCaffrey's had. I would argue the last couple of years was better, but. Um, but when you have those kind of stakes and you're playing a team that's not going to go to the tournament, you should be able to win on your home court on senior day. And, and for them to play like that, it's incredibly disappointing, I think. Doc, we have uh, like literally a minute left, so let's finish where we began. So I, I guess that vote, the three-person vote of which Rob Sand has already said he's going to vote no uh, unless Gary Barta um, is, is dismissed. That apparently is going to happen this afternoon. The, the, the Barta aspect of it, that's not going to happen that quickly by any means, is it? That I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't. I'm sure that uh, you know Rob Sands' comments have gone viral in the administration building. You know, just up at Iowa. So I'm sure Barbara Wilson is aware of it. And I don't know what that means as far as Barbara Wilson talking to the other two members who have to vote on it uh, to to get it through, get it pushed through, or you know, maybe it could be a situation where things will will change very quickly. Um, I know Gary Barta has had. 
issues in the past where certain people have wanted him out, and he kind of lucked out um, in 2015 with Bruce Harold, who really liked him. So uh, this this is something that it may not happen before 1:30, but um, bear watching. This this could happen um, in any time here in the next uh, couple weeks. Scott Docterman from the Athletic. He'll have you covered as he always does. Are you going to Chicago, Doc? No, nope. I am embroiled as soon as this thing's over with with a lot of football writing. So that's going to be my uh, my week here. Uh, you know, pretty much turn the page on basketball, other than maybe going to Des Moines for the NCAA tournament. Good stuff, Doc. We will uh, read you as we always do at the Athletic. Thank you, Scott Dockerman. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. Having a good yep. one. Good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. We'll take a time out. Come back. Finish up the hour. Nick Oson on Iowa State. Uh, we'll start it off. Josh Betts do a few minutes on Drake as they cut down the nets in St. Louis. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. To get started. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Dot and I's cross the T's, hour number one on a Monday. Boy, it's going to be a crazy next couple of weeks, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh. I got state basketball getting started today. We got some so locals involved. So what is your involved. schedule? So three games on Wednesday. It will be uh, starting at 10.30 a.m., Walkie against Ames, a 12-15 game, a 3-45 game. So those will all be on 96-9, the Bull. Okay. Followed by the semifinals on Thursday, championship on Oof. Friday, and then hopping on a bird and making our way down to Disney as the kids uh, nice. come to spring break, as my wife also has some time off and uh, doing that. So you'll be solo early next week, but you'll have some brackets running. You'll just have a few things to talk about. Uh, and Wednesday as well, solo? Yes. Solo Wednesday. We get back, I think, Wednesday, late afternoon, something like that. Uh, perfect. Okay, hour number two, Nick Oson on Iowa State. He'll kick things off. Forward to catching up with Nick. Uh, Josh Betts, a few minutes on the Valley Tournament. How about those Drake Bulldogs? They punched their NCAA ticket. They're going dancing. Everybody's going to have them in the Sweet 16. Oh, sadly, you're right. <laughs>